the Lord and welcome. You are listening to IHEP Podcast number 22. With me, your host, Reverend Mario A. Najera. To all our returning listeners and for all those listening in for the first time, thank you for joining me and my guest for today, Pastor Philip Raya of Desert Stream Fellowship Church in La Quinta, California. We are here to testify that no matter where your life's journey has taken you, that Jesus loves you, Jesus still saves, and Jesus is still doing works within his people. So listen, grow, as we share what God has done in the life of my guest today, Pastor Philip Raya. Pastor Philip, thank you so much for joining me today on this session of I Have Podcast. No, of course. It's my pleasure. Oh, uh, I'm really, really privileged, Pastor. Again, I thank you for your time and your availability. And um, I would love just to get into this conversation, Pastor, with sure. you. And uh, just get to know, you know, what was your life like, sir, uh, or your experience before you found your personal relationship or even entered an apostolic church? Well, I, I, I grew up in church. My mom is second generation apostolic. My grandfather was actually a deacon many years ago, maybe 70 years ago mm. or so, but he was um, dismissed from the ministry for mistakes that he made, and um, he never again came back to church. And it was just the time back then where there wasn't the grace that was shown. Mm. Um, but he was very charismatic, very gifted, even, and he died when I was nine years old, but he was, he was even since I knew him, he, he spoke very well and was very charismatic. He always loved the Lord. But mm. um, my mom and her sisters, they they had a passion for the Lord. And mm. uh, my mom decided to go to Bible college. My aunt went to Panama as a missionary uh, in their 20s. And it was it was unheard of back then for mm. ladies to, to venture out like that mm. uh, in the ministry. So my mom always had a, a desire for the Lord. And then my father, he came to the Lord in 1965. Uh, and he was in a men's home there with Brother Carlos Iniceros in Compton mm. uh, many, many years ago. Uh, so uh, they got married in, in the 70s, and uh, they moved to Southern California, and that's where we were born, my sister and I. So we, we grew up in church. I, I grew up sleeping underneath the pews <laughs> with all the all the hymnos, all the all the songs of yeah. the Apostolic Assembly uh, that are they're they're deep within me. Mm. Uh, so we grew up going to conventions, of course. Um, now, one thing my mom did is she deliberately, she began teaching my sister and I scriptures uh, when I was three years old. So when I was three, four, five years old, I remember being in the dining room after dinner and she would um, take me aside and we would spend about 45 minutes to an hour memorizing scripture. And I remember learning Psalm 23, 1 Corinthians 13, um, Psalm 100. And when I was six years old, I was asked to recite Psalm 103 at a general convention, um, one of the nights of a general convention. That, that was my five minutes of fame. Yeah. So um, I was years old. Yeah, and we, uh, we we did that. But you know, we're just thankful to the Lord. And it's in, and I see it now with my children. You know, we when we go out in swimming pools, they're baptizing each other. They're yeah. playing church. And it, for, for those of us that have grown up in the church, we can relate to that. So uh, we we never went on vacation. Our, our vacation was going to convention. Mm. Uh, so we. we Typical apostolic kid growing up. Uh, my dad was a, a very faithful man, ordained minister, very faithful. Uh, back back then, you know, our services were Tuesday, Friday, Sunday morning, and Sunday night. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he was there all the time. I remember well, there was one time where uh, I was a big basketball fan, and, and Magic Johnson was playing Michael Jordan in the NBA Finals. Mm. And, and I begged my dad, let me stay home. I want to see the game. He says, uh, well, I'll stay home with you, but you have to explain to the pastor why we're staying uh. home. So, yeah. So, and uh, back then we didn't have the DVRs or our phones and all that stuff. So mm -hmm. I would be in church and, and would go down to the radio of the, of the car, turn on. I would ask my mom for the keys and pretend like for, I forgot something. And I would actually listen to the game uh, in the parking lot of the church. Yeah. But uh, it's just a wonderful experience growing up uh, in the church. And um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it in for anything. Amen. Amen. Yes. It, it, you know, people that I conversate with and, and they share the blessing of growing up in the church and, 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 and it is, and, and just to be able to share that and pass that down to your, your family and your children sure. and do the sure. same thing, it just becomes a lifestyle and, and something that's normal, something that's normal. Yes. Um, yes. but eventually you, you had to come to a point, even though you had all these great examples in your life, 
um, and in this great upbringing and blessing to be in church, you had to have your own experience uh, to give yes. your life to the Lord. How was that? You know, I, I was baptized at 13 years old. Mm -hmm. My mom enrolled us at a Christian school when I was 11 years old in, mm -hmm. in, in Bowen Park, California, with, uh, uh, at the time, Brother Oscar Barbosa, but uh, Pastor George, who's now the pastor, was, was in charge of the Christian school. Mm -hmm. So we were enrolled there 11 years old, and then we lived in Whittier, so eventually we moved out to the Christian school uh, in Family Life, at Family Life Center with Pastor David Hernandez. Mm. Uh, and it was there that I really began just a broader, enhancing my knowledge with the Word of the Lord, memorizing more scripture. Um, but it wasn't until I was 16 years old, and this mm. is interesting, I was baptized at 13, but I was 16 years old. My mom would always be listening to Christian music mm. or, or, or preaching on the radio. And I remember one time being in the car with her at 16, she was listening to a sermon, on the radio, and the preacher made this statement. He said, um, you may have grown up in church all your life, but you admit maybe you've never had an experience with God, mm -hmm. a true experience with God. Yeah. And I was already baptized, but I remember that resonated with me. And I, I, I'm the type of person, Brother Mario, where I'm, I'm more logical. Mm. So growing up in the church, I would see people who were more emotional. Mm. Some of my friends at camps, and they would be weeping and slain in the spirit and all that stuff. And it seemed like I wasn't being touched that way. Mm. So, but I understand now, you know, through as I'm older and years of study, that um, God deals with certain people in certain ways, mm -hmm. and, and mine's is always, always, even to this day, is a more logical approach. Mm. So I remember hearing that statement, and it, it inspired me, and it drove me to try to figure out, you know, what is a true experience with God. Mm. And I began, you could say, a quest. I wanted to know more, more of the Lord. I was 16 years old. Um, and then that same year, um, a few months after this, I, I got really sick. Uh, I was, I was weak. I was tired for about a week. Mm -hmm. Couldn't move out of bed. So my parents took me to the doctor. The doctor admitted me to the hospital and I was in the hospital for five, six days in quarantine. They didn't know what was wrong with me. Oh, wow. My fever was 104. Uh, I was, I remember laying on a, on a, on an ice bed because mm -hmm. my fever was so high and they couldn't bring it down for anything. Um, and about my fifth day in the hospital, I began experiencing seizures. And in a span of about three hours, I was continually having seizures. I think they counted it was in excess of 60 seizures wow. within a three-hour time frame. And um, I remember this, I was 16 years old. The, the, all the doctors in the hospital came to my bed uh, at a certain time. I remember turning, and I was still conscious. I was moving in and out of consciousness, mm -hmm. and I turned to, to the left, and I saw my mom— <clears throat> there with some social workers and mm. near her um, and I was like in my mind thinking what's going on and uh, unbeknownst to me at the time I was I guess they had pronounced me cold blue which means I was pretty much on the you know wow. given up to die um, so it was at that point that I remember it making a prayer in my mind saying Lord um, if if I'm gonna live I will serve you mm -hmm. and I will I will pursue my calling I will pursue what you want me to be. I, pr I will pursue more of you. Um, but if not, just just relieve me of this pain. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I made this prayer in my mind. And mm -hmm. I remember as I turned my head, suddenly all the seizures just stopped. And they, they took me in, uh, ran some CAT scans. And the very next day, a bump comes out of my skin. And come to find out, I had the measles oh. all this time. I was 16 years old. And it was the measles that almost killed me wow. but that prayer that day at 16 uh, I was I was still enrolled at a Christian school mm -hmm. uh, in Omani and after that I, I I was you know I tried to pursue my calling however I could mm -hmm. and I remember preaching at during the chapels of the Christian schools and and then it was when I graduated at 18 years old I was like many many young people you know not sure what to do no. and we had, we had a family friend who who worked at UPS so he they opened a door for me to get a job there mm -hmm. Um, and I was working at night graveyard and during the day I would, I would come back and I would pray and, and I didn't really understand it, but I, I began just to, to drive myself and to challenge myself mm -hmm. to pray more. I started praying 30 minutes a day and it would go to an hour and then to two hours and, um, a big influence in my life at, at that time. I don't know if you remember pastor Rick Ramirez, brother Ramirez was pastoring in Maywood at the time. And, um, he, he, he would always teach on prayer and, he would talk about preaching, praying three hours a day, and for me, that was unheard of yeah. in the world. So, it, but it inspired me for more. And um, 
I would pray. I remember, you know, coming back and praying at from four in the morning to six, six o'clock. And this was, I was 18, 19 years old. And eventually that led me to go to, to, to Bible college. So mm. I, I, uh, I went to CLC and I heard all the stories of CLC, how God was moving there and the, the, the size of the church. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it just, it, it was fascinating for me and it intrigued me. So I, I decided to um, make that decision to go. My dad was not happy. Um, I had opportunities to, to study at USC and Long Beach State, but I spurned it, and um, and, and I really didn't know what, what the future was going to hold, mm-hmm. but all I knew is that I, I wanted more of God, and um, and I had to follow <clears throat> this calling. Mm-hmm. So I, But those were sweet times. I remember listening. I had prayer cassettes back in the day, so I'm really dating myself, <laughs> but the, you know, Lord, I'm a bit, I'm available to yes. you. Some of them songs that just to this day they still make me weep mm. and cry. So um, you know, I was there four years at CLC. Uh, wonderful experience. We graduated from there, and I have lifelong friends uh, mm. from CLC. And we were just talking uh, a short time ago about Brother Jesse. Jesse Delo was my yeah. roommate, along with Brother Greg Pounds, who's also a pastor now. And uh, just just you know, men that are now pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and it just, it never surprised me with the Lord, how he, in his providence, how he, he designates things mm-hmm. and he maneuvers things. And there are things, relationships that I had back then that are now, um, um, in a way beneficial to me, you yeah. know, in my ministry. So, um, and you wouldn't know it back then. You're just, we're all 18, 19, 20 yeah. year old kids. Um, but later on, and even when I came later on, I'll get to it coming to Fontana, it was brother Sam Rojas, who was a, a CLC classmate of mine also. Mm-hmm that was uh, integral in, in pers- persuading my wife and I to, to come to Fontana. So, But that was the experience in really starting my ministry. That's mm-hmm. when it was birthed, um, you know, and after that, it was just full steam ahead. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, Pastor. And like you said, God is just so awesome and, and his plan and his end. Mm-hmm. You know, he sees our, our beginning from his end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and just having and, faith. There were times in, in, in when I was at CLC, when I was my latter years, where I would pray, what am I going to do? Yeah. You know, what am I going to do? And 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 I, I would always feel the assurance of the Lord, mm. you know, and, and, and at the same time, I was always willing to work as well. You know, I was, yeah. you know getting a job, I'm, you know, I have, but I, I wanted to serve the Lord. And when you're young, I had so much ambition yeah. and I wanted just to do so much for the Lord at sure. that age. And and in, in in all that, Pastor, what was your uh, experience like when um, you were called finally to 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 serve in the ministry, either to be ordained or or whatever position yeah. you were filling during that time? You know what was interesting is during when all this was going on in my life, our home church in Whittier, we we didn't have a pastor, and this was a West mm. Whittier Apostolic, and we didn't have a pastor. We had three interim pastors, mm-hmm. brother. Um, Daniel Sanchez, Brother uh, Manuel Vizcarra, um, and they would kind of serve as interim pastors mm-hmm. during this time. Uh, so it wasn't until I think my final year of Bible college where we got a more permanent pastor was Brother Ron Fernandez that came. Um, and he had been on the mission field. He was then he was pastoring in Central California. Then he eventually came to Whittier. Mm-hmm. So when I came back, it was, it was when I got more acclimated with him. Uh, it was a new experience. I came back with so much zeal, mm. you know, 23 years old, full of energy, but yet in many ways I was unwise. So, mm. um, and of course, you know, I'll get onto the story, but <laughs> I didn't know at the time, but uh, I would end up marrying uh, Brother Fernandez's daughter, Olga, which is my wife. Mm. Uh, I didn't know it at the time. We were just started off as friends and just it evolved from there. But I came back with, with, with so much zeal um, and we, I, I was, I was, you know, of, I had so much passion at the time, I couldn't mm-hmm. explain it, you know, and I just started teaching Sunday school, teaching youth groups, starting to do whatever I can do mm-hmm. yeah, in charge of the youth at the time. But slowly there, they, there a divide began to occur with, uh, with my father-in-law and myself. And, you know, we, mm-hmm. I, I think to this day, we're both very different people, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. um, I'm the more planned, organized, um, detailed person, mm-hmm. and he's probably completely opposite. But it serves him well mm. in the ministry that he's involved in now as an evangelist, where he, you know, jumps on pews and lay hands on everybody. <laughs> and I'm the more conservative one. So, mm-hmm. but at the time, I didn't understand it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I I'm naturally the introvert, introvert, and I 
as a young person, when you're 23, 24, you want change. Mm. And I mean, I challenge the, the, the systematic approach of the church mm. and I challenge, why are we doing this? Why do we need to do this? And, um, you know, why, why, you know, why can't we do this? Mm-hmm. Or, and, um, the structures of the church, you know, let's restructure, let's do this. Or why aren't we more engaged with the community? And, and at the time I was probably unwise and, um, or I know I was unwise mm-hmm. and just not experienced. And it was probably, it probably came across like I wasn't as submissive as I should have been mm-hmm. or not cooperative at the time. So um, my father-in-law and, and I, you could say there was a strained relationship mm-hmm. and we were always cordial with each other, kind, and there was never, you know, deep elements of hate, mm-hmm. but just there was a divide. So, and at the same time, Olga and I, our relationship started building during mm. that time. So it was just a, a real interesting dynamic. Yeah. It was during this time, though, that um, Brother Daniel Hernandez, which is Brother David Hernandez's brother, mm. uh, he he had what I would say was probably the premier Christian school in the Apostolic Assembly at Santa Anita in, in El Monte, California. Mm. And he called me one day to, to, you know, ask me if I'd be willing to come serve in the Christian school. And I was, I mean, I was, it was, it looked at it, and it was very daunting because I'm thinking geometry and I'm wow. thinking, you know, trigonometry and chemistry, which I've done, but I, you can't remember all these things. Yeah. So I decided, you know, let's give it a try. But he said, no, I, I want a spirit. I want someone just spiritual to be in here. I want a spiritual example. And so I, we went there, uh, began working at the Christian school. Um, eventually, a year later, he would resign and I would take over as the administrator of the Christian school. Mm-hmm. Um, and for three years, we had just tremendous success. Our kids were graduating. They were going to Cal State Fullerton and Cal Poly Pomona, Azusa Pacific, yeah. um, as well as, as revival. You know, we, during my time, I think we baptized 25 of our kids, our students. Um, we were, kids were getting the Holy Ghost and chapels. And um, so, and I try to promote that you could be spiritual mm-hmm. and be scholarly at the same mm-hmm. time. And that was one thing I tried to promote at the school. And um, it was during that time that I had a, uh, was contacted by um, the organization Accelerated Christian Education, whom I work for today, and they pursued me. So they contacted me almost. I was it was I was not expected. It was unexpected, and I was asked to go to their headquarters in Florida. I flew there, and they offered me to serve as their representative on the West Coast. Um, and all this, I was I think 29 at the time, mm-hmm. so it was it was. Um, intimidating in a sense, Mm -hmm. because I felt so young to go into that position. Um, And I would go and what I do, you know, for my job, I go around meet with pastors, I um, service their schools, Uh, you could say I, I, you know, check their schools, I meet with pastors that are interested in starting schools, but and and it goes across denominational lines. Mm -hmm. So it was a little different for me. I mean, I would meet with pastors that were not you could say in my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was at first a, a little strange, you know, yeah. and I would, but I just tried to make friends with people when I would go out and, and visit churches and schools, I would just sit with pastors and first try to be friends with them. I, I'd always abstain from doctrinal discussions mm-hmm. and, uh, we would just, <clears throat> you know, I would just pursue just friendship. Yeah. Um, during this time also in, in our life, we decided to buy a home in Rancho Cucamonga, the Inland Empire, and uh, it was during this time that we were praying about, you know, what church are we going to mm-hmm. attend? We're moving. Uh, we had considered Fontana, but in our mind, we thought, you know, that church is so big. Will we really be used? But Brother Sam Rojas, who is, again, he came back later, a friend from Bible college came back, and he's the one who, who he, he convinced me to just come give it a try. We went there, and we met with Pastor Valverde one day uh, at a sizzler. I remember we were... <laughs> considering going. And he looks at me and he says, I, I see you. And I just see a multitude of gifts mm. on top of you. And he says, I want to tap into that. And he says, whatever you've gone through in your, in your past frustrations, he goes, let's, let's forget that. Mm-hmm. And he says, I believe in you. He says, um, at our church, we do not lose people. We launch them. My, you're not here to help me build a church. Um, I'm here to help build you. And I had never heard that before. That is unique. Yes. Yeah, it was unique, you know, and, and I, I mean, I, I sat there, I, we left the restaurant, I sat in the car with my wife, Olga, and I said, I, I've never heard this before. Yeah. And I was just, just astonished as, as to hear that, especially a man of his caliber in his position, 
and for him to to just show that belief and that trust mm-hmm. in me. So we made the decision to come, and it was, you know, 12 and a half years we were there just serving the Lord. Um, and I was associate pastor from community pastor, life group pastor to um, foundation pastor. And when he was gone traveling, especially when he was on the national board, we were uh, constantly preaching on Sundays and mm-hmm. teaching in the mornings. So we were uh, we learned a lot from him, of course, just just the nuances of his leadership, you know, and you, as much as maybe people here would give a, a seminar on church growth, you almost would have to be around him, you know, to, to gain just the intricacies of, mm-hmm. of his leadership and just how graceful he is in conducting meetings and um, correcting people. He would correct people and still leave them with dignity mm-hmm. and, and leave them encouraged. So um, it was a, a good time being there. And it was also during that time in, in that, the Lord dealt with me about, um, you know, making things straight. When, when we left uh, Whittier, my father-in-law, we, we didn't leave on the best terms. Mm. And um, and I always recommend to people, don't do that. You know, mm. we, we didn't leave. Um, you could say in some sense we ran. And um, people, a lot of people may not know this, but with Pastor Sam, he had gone through a similar situation with his father-in-law. And he says, you know, I was young. I was aggressive. I was smart. And I had so much to give, and I felt like I was being pressed down, and mm. it led to a, a you know further strain in the personal relationship. So he was able to relate to where I was, mm-hmm. and um, but time came, you know, where my father and I we sat down, and actually Pastor Sam was very instrumental and pivotal, and in, in, in helping us men that we were able to sit down, talk, and uh, just go through some things, and we both have have expressed regret you know, at probably the way things were, yeah. uh, during that time. So we've just a learning experience and I'm very open about this, you know, and, um, I, I blame, you know, myself for my part of that, but, uh, it was a learning experience for us, mm. you know, and I had to, I had to forgive. My wife is the one who was really, it took a toll on her for years. Mm. Um, but, um, but through it all, God was just merciful. Um, and, and again, the years in Fontana were just growing years, mm. years for us. Yeah, what a what a blessing, and and I just wanted to go back a little bit, Pastor. Yeah, sure. What what I meant to say was that 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 was unique. What you mentioned, what Pastor uh, Samba Verde mentioned to you, is, yeah, yeah, it's just, it, and I'm not saying that a lot of pastors don't see their yeah. ministers or congregations that way, but when when that's the mission or the vision of a pastor, just <laughs> stating it, you know, it, it's it's such a blessing to hear that that you know you're coming here with expectancy. To to help grow or grow here, but also to launch you, you know? especially when you're young. Yeah, because when you're young, you have so much passion, and 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 you know the pastor. Now as I'm older, you can see someone who's younger, and you can see they have a lot of ambition, yeah, and passion. But um, at the same time, there's other things that are there that they have not been broken. Yeah, um, you know, in, in in a way they haven't gone through this part of experience and. He understood that about me, yeah. but but he never squelched that or said, you know what, you have to learn a lot. You have to do this. Yeah. He simply said, you know, we're going to launch you someday, yeah. and we're, we're going to. I believe in you, and um, and and always encouraging. Yeah. And again, he would correct, but in such a very mm. wise way. Yeah. And so I've learned that now. Again, I mean, when I talk with young people, I always want to be encouraging. Mm-hmm. I always want to be inspiring, um, and. Even if we feel they're unpolished in many ways, yeah. we have to believe in our young people. I, I think we've lost so many young people mm. that have gone out to other organizations because they felt like they didn't fit. Mm. You know, yeah. they didn't. Fit. You know, I, I'm, I'm, do I fit? I think differently. Um, I want in. You know, I'm innovative. I, I, I you know, I, I want change. Mm-hmm. And we get that, and we can easily say, you know what, you're you're not submissive. Mm. Um, but at the same time, we have to look at what they can offer, the gifts, yeah. and we have to try to work with them and just mentor them yeah. and, and, and teach them. You know, I, I love it when the Apostle Paul says uh, in Philippians uh, chapter 4 and verse 9, he says, um, you know, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, mm-hmm. which there's different, those are different levels of mentorship. Yeah. It's, it's the knowledge, you know, what you've heard of me, what you've learned, then what you've seen of me, you know, yeah. just practice. Um, but what you've received of me is more the impartation mm. and, and just, you know, 
taking out the time and pouring into somebody in a true apprentice type of way. Mm. Um, and we need to do that with our young people, you know, because yeah. if not, we will lose them. Yeah, that's very true. And, and you're yeah. correct because I've heard that statement before, you know, from young people. How do I fit in? You yeah, know, how I sure. fit into this? Yeah, so it's very true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And my pastor, actually, Pastor Enrique Espino, here at First Tucson, he actually came from that church also from Fontana with Pastor. Is that right? Yeah, from Pastor yeah. Vivedo, uh, yeah. probably a little bit before you were there. Sure. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, he I remember having a conversation with him and, and it always touched my heart because he said, brother, he goes, whatever you feel your ministry is, but I see something in you that I want to make sure you're serving God, because when you're called to do something, I don't want anything to be a hindrance to you. Absolutely. You know, kind of that yeah. mindset. And I, I always appreciated that statement from him that, man, this is, you know, this is great. You know, this is yeah. such a blessing that he wants to see me develop into something, you know. so Absolutely. And, and, and it inspires you to yes. continue working. And, yeah. and, I, and I think that, I think what a lot of pastors don't see, and, and, and I understand this now, is that when you do that, and you believe in someone, they do end up submitting to you yeah. because there's now like a trust factor and, mm-hmm. and loyalty works both ways. So guess what? I'm, I, I believe in your vision. I believe in your calling. Mm-hmm. I, I, I see your gifts. I, I want, I, I want to help cultivate that. Yeah. All of a sudden the result is that of, is that is guess what? I'm going to be submissive to yeah. you because it's, it, this works both ways and there's commitment levels on both sides. Yeah. And again, now that I'm pastoring, it's just something we try to implement is, when we see young people with <clears throat> with passion, and mm-hmm. um, we we're talking, you know, a little while ago about one of the young people I have, brother Ethan, which is brother Gabe's son, mm. who's just he's such a calling in him, mm. and the sensitivity to the Lord, and I feel is it's my responsibility as a pastor to help cultivate that yeah. and just help to, to to help him grow and to fulfill that. And I have a couple other young men that I I see that, so yeah. it's it's just my job to to help navigate that and to bring out those gifts. Yeah. Wow, pastor. Uh, just just a fountain of, of, of words of knowledge, Pastor, you're sharing so far. Thank you so much. Um, sure. But uh, moving on a little bit, Pastor, what, you know, it seemed like pretty much everything that where you were at or during that time after, like you mentioned, you moved and, and you kind of yeah. reconciled with, with your father-in-law. But, sure. But were there any times still or situations in your ministry where, you know, trying to stay faithful or, or your purpose or your calling being challenged, you know, in your ministry or in your life? You know what? I think when I was, I, I think it was really when I was early on, when mm, I was, okay. when again, when I come back from CLC, when, once I got married and um, it was, was interesting as I was at the height, you could say of my, um, my, my ministry in terms of preaching at camps. I mean, we were every summer when I was 26, 27, 28, we were preaching out at camps, junior camps. I was flying to Houston, coming back here, mm-hmm. um, going to San Diego. My good friend, brother, Jimmy Morales, I would preach his, when he was a youth president over there, I'd preach his, his things. Mm-hmm. And my wife was also, she was singing at the, the conventions and things. And, but it's almost, it was almost odd that, um, it was unique that at that same time, I felt confused, you know, where mm-hmm. I needed direction mm-hmm. in my life and I needed, um, you know, where am I going to belong? And, and, and thank God for me that I, there were men that I would search out and I would, uh, ask him, for advice and for counsel. And, um, not one of them ever turned me down. Mm. I mean, they would spend time with me. Um, I remember brother Carlos and he said, I was, I think I spent one day about six hours with him. Yeah. I'm thinking to myself, man, this man has a lot of things to do, yeah. but he, he, he just took the genuine interest in where I was in life. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, and I, I think what I got to understand was there was a lot of men that had gone through that journey, mm. you know, and maybe were unsure at that time. And, and, and I think the advice that I got that I would always give is just keep seeking the Lord, keep mm-hmm. doing what you do, keep serving and things will evolve, mm-hmm. you know, and you'll, you'll find where you're at. So I, you know, we continued serving. Um, and during this time, we always continued serving in Christian education. Uh, so it's been 14 years um, that, you know, we've been doing that in that ministry. And it's been a pleasure to, to, to serve, uh, you know, some of the churches that have Christian schools mm-hmm. and some you're probably familiar with like Union City or Merced or mm-hmm. Bakersfield, um, Stockton, both churches in Stockton, um, you know, that we help serve. And um, we, it's always been a pleasure to, to, to do that to, um, because when we do this, we feel like we're involved yeah. in the actual ministry of the pastor. You know, mm-hmm. we're not just there preaching and leaving, but we actually feel like we're hands, mm-hmm. hands on with that local pastor 
um, you know, helping to enhance that ministry of Christian education. Um, so it's just something that's very dear to us, um, something that we, we've enjoyed doing um, with our organization. We have um, we constantly go to conferences and have booth displays. And one thing I will say is when we go to a conference, we're typically one of the most popular conferences because I think pastors, um, there's a dilemma in our churches, and that is that they're losing their young people. Mm. And that that's across the board of Christianity. Yeah. I mean, I think young we see with all the the millennial statistics that are out there. I, um, you know, I think I was reading recently where over 40% of millennials now have no religious affiliation, which has doubled from eight years ago. Wow. Um, and then I was just others. There's just so many statistics yeah. out there. One, one that got me was how suicide has doubled the last eight years mm-hmm. amongst uh, kids ages five, five wow. to 18. You think about that five years old yeah. to 18 years old. And it's just, I mean, last year when, I mean, I think I heard within like a two month span of um, four, four kids and I call them kids, 12 mm-hmm. to 13 years old um, that had either committed suicide or had tried to commit suicide. Wow. So there are spirits, there are things that were, are going on, um, social media, technology, you know, it's a blessing in some regard, but in other regards, you know, I, I read a statistic by CNN that they estimate kids spend up to nine hours a day on average on their, on their gadgets. Mm. So these are the things that we're facing. Mm. Um, and at the same time, churches, I think about 20 years ago or so, churches went to more seeker-friendly type of approach. And, um, you know, we eliminated things that were not necessary, liturgy practices that weren't necessary as far as, you know, the niño singing, the dorca singing, all that yeah. stuff. But at yeah. the same time, we watered down services in even, in, in a sense, uh, we started with even, you could say, abbreviated sermons mm. instead of, you know, the sermons. And nowadays, I think we need more Word of God yeah. in, in our church. And one thing I do when I preach is I'll always bring a lot of Word of God because how do you combat what's going on in society? And, you know, we see the violence at schools. Um, we don't combat that with less word and less church. Yeah. We, need more, we need more of God. Yeah. And we need more word. Um, I was hearing a statistic. I was at a conference a few weeks ago, and they said that 90% of kids involved in Bible quizzing will never leave the church or backslide. This is a proven wow. statistic. And of the 10% that leave, 70% come back because of what's embedded inside of them, which is the Word of God. Yeah. So this is my whole thing with the Christian education. It's not just, you know, the academics, yeah. which is a, a, a big, you know, that's an important, important feature of mm-hmm. it, but um, the aspect of, of the spirituality that our kids need. And I, my prayer is always that all pastors would consider, even like K through 6, K through 8, um, and I'm sure sometimes there's people in the church capable of teaching, you know, the basic arithmetic and mm-hmm. um, fundamentals of English, Obviously, when you get to high school, you need the more, you know, specialized type of teachers yeah. with because of the subjects. But um, from K through six, K through eight, because I think it's really important for for kids nowadays to have that biblical mm-hmm. foundation. And I'm I'm just a testament of that, uh, where the things I've gone through in my life um, and what has always held me back is is the word of God that was put in my life when when I was young. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's very true. I, I remember having a conversation with my wife. I said, if we can have 10 minutes of, of worship and praise, you know, through song. Yeah. And, and we wouldn't feel, you know, I don't I don't like when pastors feel pressured because yeah. we've already yeah. been here for 30 minutes singing. And right. now I still got to preach, but I don't want to I don't want to, like, get you guys upset <laughs> or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you yeah, know, or lose your attention or and, something. And, and, and there's different ways. I'm all for innovation. And yeah, I, yeah. You know, the the. the, the the old wine, the new wine scheme. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same doctrine, the same belief. Yeah. But the manner and the approach of how we present that mm. could be changed. Yeah. So I believe in having dialogue and you know, in, in, in having youth groups and whether you do it through cell groups, mm-hmm. live groups, sessions, but just having discussion. I think mm. a lot of what we need to is is interactive sessions yeah. to hear what our young people are thinking, you know, to hear what our our youth are thinking. I mean, I, I, one of the things in my job is I go and I meet with pastors interested in starting schools. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times what stimulates them to start a school is they've been provoked in their heart because of something that occurred. And Mm -hmm. I, and I hear some, some just off the wall stories. And this is in, you know, this is now on our days in our area, California. And I, I mean, I was meeting with the pastor in San Francisco who told, told, 
told me that um, his own kids, teenage kids, mm-hmm. were at the school and they, the counselor had them do like a little survey and they were really profiling them. And one of the questions is, you know, do you, does your family eat dinner together? And before dinner, mm. do you pray to a God? And, you know, and they answered yes, yes, yes. And one of the questions was, do you attend a, a religious activity regularly? And mm. the answer was yes. The counselor pulls him inside and says, you know, based on this results, we just want to make sure that you're not being abused. Um, so oh. this is the world that we live in, you know, yeah. where there's a lot of people with agendas and, and anti-church agendas. Not all, of course, yeah. um, but we have to just be careful with, with our young people. We have to um, show interest in them. And mm-hmm. I, I truly believe the days of, you know, a, a parent just leaving the kids to school, picking them up and taking them to church on Sunday and, and not being engaged in their life. Mm. Those are over. We need to yeah. be involved in our kids' life, and we need to teach them the word of the Lord, mm-hmm. um, and we need to uh, make sure that um, we know what's going on in their life. Yeah, yeah, and especially, Pastor, when you when you compare it to like you were mentioning some of the statistics about how much time they spend on tablets or gadgets uh, versus mm-hmm. how much time they're at school, and then they're all, we're only having midweek service and then Sunday service. Absolutely. That's that's it right there. Yeah. I, that's exactly it. when I bring up when I go speak at churches, you know, about this subject. And that's one thing I bring bring up is, you know, we now have you know maybe midweek service, yeah. Sunday service. So we're going two hours or three hours or mm-hmm. maybe at the most four to six, versus seventy hours of this influence yeah. from social media from all these things. So we have to bring a balance nowadays for our young people. Yeah. Um, if they're going to make it. So amen. Yeah, it's my passion. Yeah. And, and that's, and I'm, I'm really appreciative. I thank God for my wife because she's, we have the same mindset. We don't, it's not what more can the church do in a sense, yeah. but like, what yeah. can we do at home with these? I have two boys, a 12 year old and an eight year old. And, and, you know, what can we do with them here at home while we're waiting for Wednesday or for Sunday, you know, to come exactly. about? So, yeah, so that's important, yeah. too. You know, the scripture says, train up the child yes. the way that he should go. When he is old, he shall not depart from it. So in, in tra- it doesn't say teach. So it's not you go do this, you go do this. Yeah. The kids are going to learn from us. Mm. And, and you know, when we – and I see it that's now good. as we as we've been – doing a church plant now and hopefully I have time to talk about this, but we started a church, but I see with my kids cause now I have my kids and my son who's nine years old, you know, I hadn't because of the need, mm-hmm. I had him picking up the offering yeah. and I have them doing certain things. And even when we were doing life groups at our home, I would have my kids try to do duties and, and, and but more importantly, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I want them to see me pray. And my wife says just does such a great job of it when I'm in my, office and prayer in the mornings, mm-hmm. you know, they, they know what I'm doing. So, um, and I believe the scripture when it says train the child, it's talking hands-on, mm-hmm. you know, kinesthetically that you, it's not just do this, you know, vocally what I'm saying, yeah. but do, you know, I'm demonstrating what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. Um, we go to church on Sundays. That's not an option. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. We, because I do it, I have a passion for God and and, and let me just quickly say this, Brother Mario, a lot of times parents will think, well, I don't want my kids to um, dislike the church. Mm, you know, yeah. I don't want to force them, but they only dislike the church. And when and, and when they see that you feel it's forced, mm. you know, like I have to go to the meeting or the pastor <laughs> wants us all to go and I have to go. But when they see it with the passion where I want to go to church, I'm excited where I'm, you know, I want to see what the Lord's going to do today. Um, that's going to be conveyed to them. So. And then they're going to end up with the same passion that you have. And you see that with the story of Samuel when he's young. And, you know, his mom presents him to the Lord. And the Bible says every year she also goes and she delivers a robe to him. And mm-hmm. she's investing into his ministry. Um, she's investing into his calling. So um, I agree with you. I, I think you're right on mm-hmm. that the parents nowadays, we need to we need to be involved in the life of our parents, uh, kids, uh, for them to fulfill the calling that the Lord has for them. Yeah. Man, you just kind of pricked my heart a little bit there, Pastor, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you're very yeah. true, you know, that example that we give, you know, sure. and, and doing it with the passion. That was great. Um, Pastor, if you could thank anyone, a uh, person in your faith journey or persons in your faith journey, uh, who who would those who would that be or who would those persons be and why, Pastor? Um, in different stages of life, there's mm-hmm. been people that have been influential. Uh, you know, I, I think I, I try to acquire traits from certain people mm. or gifts or, 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 you know, uh, characteristics from them. I mean, I think when I was 
when I when I was younger in Bible college and I would see like Brother Jason Cisco come and some of these men that would Billy Cole that would come and be using the gifts so mightily. It was so appealing when you're a young person, mm-hmm. you see the power gifts, the gifts of the spirit. Like I want that. Yeah. Um, and at the time that was something. And then also just being in Bible college, you get older and, you know, I, for me, it was an honor to see, uh, Bishop Kenneth Haney and how he was just so graceful and, you know, and how he interacted with people, his vision and his leadership. And, uh, later on in life, you know, very similar to Pastor Sam. Pastor Sam was a visionary, mm. um, create creative, you know, off the charts creative, <laughs> and what he. And so you pick up these certain traits from people, and um, um, you know, just walking with with people. Bishop Romo is so impressive to me because mm. he is so approachable, you know. And I always love seeing his posts on <laughs> social media. Yeah. Um, I, I could go on. Bishop Joe Aguilar, who again I had the the privilege of just serving his school and just his integrity, you know, his integrity. And, um, now, um, you know, my presbyter in, in my district is Bishop Art Hodges and, uh, my wife and I have just grown to admire him and just his leadership. And I have, uh, some friends, you know, a lot of the men that, have, that were in Fontana with me have gone out to pastor, pastor, brother Sam Rojas and brother Alex Santos, who's in Oregon and Mike Ortega in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, we were all there together. And, and I, and, and one thing that's interesting is I see, I think all of us together in mornings, you constantly see posts of mm. them being at their church praying in the mornings, yeah. I think, which is a testament to pastor Sam. And I think one thing pastor Sam probably, um, a lot of people don't know, or maybe they just don't talk about too often is he's a man of prayer. I mean, you're talking hours in the prayer room Mm -hmm. and, um, and I see that and, um, with the men that have gone out. So, you know, I try to pick up certain traits from certain men and there's things as I get older, I think now I focus more on just the men with high character, high integrity and how I pick that. But if I think if there was one influential person, I'd pick my mom, Mm. you know, my mom who passed away three years ago, but she, and, um, in 1987, my mom began speaking, a conference speaker to ladies. And for, I think for about 15, 16 years, she was always speaking and, um, to ladies and it was unknown at the time. She was a trailblazer, mm. you know, and she got a lot of opposition at times, yeah. um, because she was out speaking and she wasn't on, didn't have hold of position. Mm. Um, but she always, she, she kept the, the house great. She was always concerned. She was invested in our life mm-hmm. and she was still doing that. And she was always a person of excellence. I mean, even when she was a Sunday school teacher or whatever, she would be preparing since Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Mm. And I try to carry those attributes in everything I do, which is preparation and excellence in, in, in what I do. And, and then my mom was always very practical as well. She was just, you know, a lot big sense of humor, always <laughs> laughing and never taking things too serious. Um, but you know, we admire her now, nowadays I see so many young girls now speaking, giving conferences. And, yeah. um, and, and I think back, cause I remember when my mom started, I, and I was young and I didn't know all the details, but I knew the oppositions mm-hmm. that which she was facing at the time. And I think at the height of her ministry back in the mid nineties, she would, she would log everything down in a journal. I think there was one year she was out speaking. I want to say about 97 times. Wow. So you're looking at every weekend she was out at some Dorcas camp yeah. or somewhere speaking during that time. So, um, but you know, I mean, she was the one I would talk to, you know, she was the one that I would, um, uh, you know, she would listen to me and could relate to me in many ways. But then, of course, my wife, you know, my wife, Olga, is just um, she's just dynamic. And my wife is just very, very, very talented, you know, mm-hmm. to seeing the music part of it. Um, but she's ne- she never acts like someone who is who is multi-talented. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's just as humble as can be. What you see is what you get. My wife, my wife loves people. You know, she loves to host people. Um, me and her and I are very different. You know, I'm the more logical, um, <laughs> analytical type. And she's just emotional, loves people. I'm the more introverted. Um, but she's the one that just, she makes up for me. You yeah. know, she, she's the likable part of our, of us, you know, it's her, she's the one that just enjoys, enjoys people. And, uh, you know, I just appreciate my wife so much. Yeah. No, amen. I think that that's what happens in relationships that the Lord sets. It's always opposites attract. Cause my wife's the same way. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, we, we, I don't know how much time we have left brother Mario, but just really quickly, you know, the Lord called us to, to, um, to help plant a church last year Mm -hmm. in the city of La Quinta, California. And, um, for me, 
the the challenge was um and it's a long story and i don't know if we have the time to get into it but Any, I as, really long, felt, as long as you want to take pastor you, yeah, it's your time you know, I, i'm appreciative of it <laughs> you know i'll be brief but i just we we felt there were a, about three doors that were in front of us and we prayed and i remember we went to i went to the the convention in 2016 in long beach and bishop roman was preaching mm. and he was giving his testimony of how he pretty much had died and come back yes, to life and yeah. when he had resuscitated and he made the comment the Lord wants to 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 um, He wants to uh, resurrect your 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 goals, your dreams, your. And when He made that comment, I just felt a surge go over me. And again, we had been praying about this, and you know, we'd been comfortable in Fontana for for many years, um, but we just felt that that there was more um, that the Lord was calling us mm-hmm. to. And I I heard it. I heard a saying, and it's such a powerful saying. There's no growth in the comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And there's no comfort in the growth zone. Mm-hmm. And at that time, the Lord just called us, get out of the boat, you know, come out. And um, I remember I talked with Pastor Sam about this. And we, um, you know, some of my friends, I shout out one of my friends, Pastor Abel, Abel Gonzalez, just a dynamic man of the word. And he just, you know, we would talk and I would counsel. And um, the Lord had, uh, one day I, I fell asleep and, you know, and reading the word of the Lord and the Lord almost spoke to me. And he, he showed me the, the story of Ishmael and Isaac and how they're living in Abraham's home. Mm-hmm. And, um, but the Lord had a blessing for both of them. The Lord had a blessing for Ishmael. He says, I'm going to multiply. I'm going to make you of thee a great nation. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Isaac, he had the right to the birthright. But the problem was they could not be blessed in the same house. Mm-hmm. So one of them had to leave. So, I, I, you know, when a young person leaves or has that vision to leave their church and start a church or go to another ministry— it's so important to leave and leave a blessing at the church that you're leaving. Mm. And when I, and I, Pastor Sam, I, I, I wrote him a long letter about six pages and I was weeping wow. just because of the experience that we had there. And I shared with him what I had uh, felt during the time. And I told him, I said, you know, I'm doing this because I want you, the, the leaders that are there, I want them to grow mm. and I want them to be blessed. And, um, and a lot of times, you know, the, the people in the church, the way it works is the Lord brings you to a certain level and then maybe he calls you out so that the people that are there, they can elevate themselves mm-hmm. and their ministries can blossom. Our last day there in Fontana, I think I, we had, I think I had about six of the ministers who we had, they had served under me. And during the service, they were coming to me one by one. They were hugging me and, and I would tell each of them, now's your time. Mm-hmm. This is your time. Now it's, now it's Isaac's time to receive his blessing. And as we go, we hope that we're blessed. And mm-hmm. um, when, when we left, it was it was unknown. You know, we we're, we we're starting this church plant, and it was a little out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. because Brother Mario, I, as I mentioned, my thing is preaching, administrating, all that. Yeah. It's 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 my gift, you know. And but meeting people, going out, connecting—it's something that that is. It, it takes for me to uh, uh, effort to have mm. to do that. It's not nothing that's natural. Um, it's just you get it's my wife. So I told myself this is when I'm you know I have to go out and I, and I have to meet people. Mm-hmm. I have to engage. I want to be a soul winner, and it's something that you know I try to convey to our church. Um, and I told our church, in fact, last week, uh, my intent is not to build a church. Our intent is to lead people to Christ. Mm. If the byproduct is to build a church, then so be it. But, you know, I, I, I never want to lose that desire, mm. and I never want to lose that that motivation, you know, that that it's not about building a church. It's it's leading people to Christ in everything that we do. Mm. Um, so this we're just we're just excited where the Lord has us, has us and, and what the future holds for us. Amen. And that kind of ties into to what I, my next question or follow-up question is going to be: expectancies in twenty eighteen, Pastor. And yeah, yeah. What? Um, and, and I think you just summed it up there, also. You know, yeah. you expect to lead people to Christ, so that's awesome. That's yeah, awesome. you know, we. Um, the, the scripture says in Luke seventeen, Jesus is talking, and they're asking him about the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And they're expecting an earthly kingdom. You know, Jesus, yeah. are you going to lead a revolt? Jesus, are you training an army? Um, and they ask him in Luke 17, we, is it observable? We can't see it. Where is it? And he says, the kingdom of God lives inside of you. Mm. And the kingdom of God, it's its its, it's, its own government. It's, mm. it's a kingdom that lives inside of us. And, and just like uh, to be born in a country, 
to be part of the kingdom of God, you must be born again. Mm. Um, and, and we see the parallels with, with almost a, a nation and the kingdom of God. There's a government. There's a constitution that governs mm. the United States of America. Jesus is in the kingdom of God. His constitution, it's, it's the Beatitudes. It's the things he taught. Mm. You, know, um, you know, if you want to be the greatest, you have to be the least. If you want to be the first, you have to be the last. Mm. And you have heard uh, to love your to love your neighbors and hate your enemies. I'm telling you to love your enemies and and pray for them. So he's teaching them a new way of living. It's 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 the constitution of the kingdom. And mm-hmm. um, but one of the most important things is is we're ambassadors for that kingdom, yes. according to Corinthians. We're the ambassadors of Christ. And to be an ambassador for the United States at a different nation, there's there's certain privileges. There's um, immunity that comes with that. Uh, which means that the, the 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 country, the rules or the um, the laws of that country don't apply. The taxes don't apply to mm-hmm. that person. He's a diplomat living in an embassy. So this is us. We're the kingdom of God lives inside of us. We are not of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also authority that's given to that diplomat. He speaks on behalf of the kingdom. Yeah. And I believe this is a powerful revelation if we get this, because wow. a lot of times, we think of the gifts of the spirit. We think of signs and wonders mm-hmm. and uh, miracles and healings. And we think just prayer and fasting. But if we understand our role and our responsibility as ambassadors, we also get that authority. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm, you know, we're trying to convey to the church that um, to go out and, and, and share the kingdom, share mm-hmm. the kingdom with people. And I thank the Lord that um, we have a small group, but we've been able to be community minded. We've had uh, three major events for Christmas. We gave out free uh, gifts to, to, to kids that were going through um, um, some issues and um, parents may be stricken by, by problems that couldn't provide for their mm-hmm. kids. We've had some harvest fests. I mean, for being a small church, we've been able to do that, no. and they've been able to c- capture this vision. Um, and I truly believe that as we do that, we serve as ambassador. God equips us. He, he supports us and backs us up by mm-hmm. giving us the authority of the kingdom. Um, and we see that as Jesus sent out the 70, you know, he sent out the 70. Um, they didn't have the Holy ghost, um, because Jesus had not died, had not been glorified, Mm. but yet he sent them out. He says, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead. You know, you go into a house, bring blessing to it, bring Mm. peace. And they came back and they told Jesus, even the devils are subject to us. Why? Because they weren't going with the power of the spirit, mm. they were working in the realm of authority. Yeah. And when you really serve as an ambassador of Christ and you go out, the, the authority of God walks with you. So mm. uh, it's just something that, you know, we're sharing and, and I'm trying to tell everyone you have to be ambassador for the kingdom of God. And when you take that, it's easy to be a, a, a soul winner. You know, mm. sometimes soul winning is, is, uh, you know, it's something we don't want to do. It's out of our comfort zone. And, we're kind of worried and knocking a door to share Christ. Are we going to have the right answer? Yeah. Are we be able to adequately, you know, um, um, answer a question? But when you really understand and, and take the approach that your ambassador, your representative, mm. um, everything happens naturally, you yeah. know, and you just demonstrate Christ and what you do. So, and with that comes signs, wonders, miracles, and all kinds of things. So it's just something that we feel in our spirit. Yeah, how empowering, Pastor. That, like you said, is that revelation just? I mean, it just like a light bulb went in my head just to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of inspiration yeah. when you, when you really consider it that way, that's wow. That's, that's awesome. That's powerful. Yes. Yes. And, yeah. and, and, you know, something else with that, you know, the government of, of, of the kingdom and, and you're going to have to cut me off. Cause I no, 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 no. <laughs> the government of the kingdom, um, you know, it's, it's, there's an angelic realm. Mm. So when you work that you have the support of the full government. This mm-hmm. is why the scripture says in Hebrews that angels are ministering spirits um, to those who are the heirs of salvation. That's us. That's ambassadors. And um, angels work on our behalf. They travel with us mm-hmm. when we serve in that role as an ambassador mm-hmm. and we represent the kingdom. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of revelation yeah. in that. And the kingdom of God lives inside of us. It's um, the, the apostles, of course, um, after Jesus' resurrection, before the day of Pentecost, they ask him, "Is it now that you're gonna um, you're gonna lead Israel out of the hands of the Romans? Is it now you're gonna be the kingdom mm. of God?" He says, "No, go and tarry. The kingdom of God is coming, and the kingdom of God is the power of the Holy Ghost. It's righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the benefits yeah. of the kingdom of God of being a citizen yeah. of the kingdom. It's those are the benefits that we enjoy." Oh, that's awesome.
Awesome, yeah. awesome. And Pastor, you keep mentioning time. I mean, I could hear you for three months. <laughs> for three hours. Just and and uh, Pastor, you're really. I mean, you're speaking wisdom. You're speaking knowledge. You're speaking, you know, the word of God. And this is life. This is encouraging. So, my prayer is that anyone that's passing by this and hears it, just hears your voice, would just be blessed, definitely. Yeah. yeah. We um, just a, a quick plug, if you don't mind. If you no, no, out no. From the La Quinta area, Indio area, Palm Springs, and you're looking for a church, our doors are open. We are. Um, we are what, what the way you hear me is the way I, I try to talk. You know, I'm transparent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think people are looking for just, you know, organic relationship. Yeah. I think the days of leaders, uh, you know, feeling they have to have their the starch in their collar and walk just right. And, yeah. and, you know, display a certain way. You know, we're, we're all human. And, mm-hmm. and uh, as you know, I tell people, don't don't let don't let the suits and the ties fool you. Mm-hmm. We're just as human as everyone else. Yeah. You know, we go through seasons. We go through transitions. We lose jobs. We. We get sick family, all the stuff yeah. of life. But the difference with us is we have hope in Christ. Amen. And the hope is that, you know, tomorrow is going to be better yeah. than today. And, you know, the weeping endures for a night, but joy comes in the morning time. Yeah. So if you're in the area, we'd love to meeting at a church where our doors are open. We're here to serve. And also, if you know somebody, um, you know, we have made it a point that if you um, if you find me on social media or, or connect with me somehow, give me a name. You know, we will pursue that person and we'll pray for them we'll, 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 and we'll chase them and we'll, as best as possible we'll try to get them to the house of the lord and serve yes. the lord well and, and, and to kind of wrap everything up pastor and tying into that if you had to encourage someone today whether christian or not you know they should continue or they should start their relationship with uh, with christ you know what, what would that counsel be for them pastor what would what would you counsel to them Find find a church, find a mentor, mm. you know, and 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 this is this is all compassing. I mean, this is someone who who wants to just develop their Christian walk or mm-hmm. needs needs God in their life, or they have a calling, you know, mm-hmm. and they they want that calling. How do that? How does that come to fruition? How do I get to to preach? How do I get my gifts mm. um, to the point where I can exercise them? I say, find a church, find a pastor, find a mentor, because we, we live in an age, age, brother Mario, where you know social media. Just there's, you know, voices abound. Mm-hmm. And and I feel in many ways the voice of the pastor has been reduced because of, of um, you know, no pun here, but the podcast. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> posts and, you know, I mean, we're all day. I mean, you, you, you get them. I get them. You yeah. know, we get the, you know, check this out, check that out. And we're hearing Stephen Furtick and T.D. Jakes. And all that is great. Yeah. You know, it's good. Um, but we need an altar, you know, we need mm. a church, we need someone who can check us, we need someone who we can be accountable uh, to, and we need fellowship with the brethren, mm. and as I said earlier, we need um, someone who can just pour into us, impart into us, you know, we need a man of God, and and as, as great as social media posts and mm. things are, we need someone who screens all that for yeah. us, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So all that is good, it's encouraging, and I think we need to utilize it. But at the same time, I think it's a pastor who is able to screen that and help us discern what's profitable for mm. us, and maybe what's not. And I think the danger nowadays, I think, you know, um, young people, they feel that um, this compensates for not going to church or this compensates, uh, you know, this teaching compensates yeah. for, you know, this here's my teaching for the week. And I can sit back and I can hear him and hear, hear, hear him mm-hmm. and not belong to a church. So. Um, you know, I really encourage people to find a mentor, find a church. I think we live in exciting times, um, exciting times to be a young people in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so many churches, my wife and I, we went to Honduras last year with the brigades group. And my wife is so impressed because nowadays the opportunity is to travel to, you know, the Caribbean and to, uh, mission this and mission that mm-hmm. and mission every country. It seems, you know, mission, uh, Kenya and all these things take advantage of that. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't have those. Um, when I was 20 years ago, we didn't have yeah. when I was coming up. And now there's opportunities just to serve, to get involved. Um, and, and the last thing I'll say, Brother Mario, is is your gifts make room for you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to make room for your gifts. It's, if there's a calling in your life, there's a specific talent that you have, a specific ability. You don't have to promote yourself. Be mm-hmm. still. See the salvation of the Lord. Just serve. Um, you know, Be submissive. Yeah. Find a mentor. And if you have that gift... God will promote you in due yeah. time, in your season. Yeah. He will promote you, but just be patient. Oh, in Jesus' name, Pastor. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for, again, all the wisdom and all your words, Pastor, and especially for your time and your availability. 
And uh, just know that you are in our prayers, your wife, your family, and out there in La Quinta, California, and, and we're praying for you, Pastor. And, and, and pray for us double in the summertime, because we hit 120, as ah. you know. <laughs> oh, but yeah. it's all good. Thank you, Brother Mario. Yeah. It's been an honor. Oh, my pleasure again. Thank you so much, Pastor. God bless Amen. you. As we conclude our podcast for today, my prayer is that you have been blessed by what you have heard. If you are interested in learning more about this podcast and our other social media content, or would like to listen to previous sessions, sessions, please search us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes, and YouTube under iHab Podcasts. You can also hear replays of iHab Podcast interviews on the Fountain Internet Radio on Mondays. If you would like to be a blessing by contributing to this podcast ministry, you could visit us at iHab Podcasts uh, GoFundMe page where you can leave a donation. Till next time, Lord willing, God bless.